All right, hello everybody, and welcome back to the Casting Lines podcast. Guten Tag to our German viewers. Uh, we did some research on the analytics. Seven percent of you are German. Seven. Granted, that's like one episode, <laughs> and you know, I think that's like two of you. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm your co-host, Jameson. Yeah, I'm your co-host, Connor. And uh, we're back for another episode. And I guess we thought today we would jump into a topic near and dear to my heart. The Great Emu War. Yes. Just so you guys know, there's not a pattern of uh, militarized animals. It's just coincidental that last week we were talking about Soviet dolphins. This week we're talking about an emu war. But our interests lie in wildlife and military history and all sorts of crazy stories and this is just happens to be another crazy story yeah and this time they're you know animals aren't a tool in this story i guess they're they're the foe you know they're the target you know (laughs) we're fighting the animal kingdom this time we're not using them for our own personal gains we're just eliminating them for our own personal gains yeah so uh jmo you uh are the foremost expert on this topic. wouldn't call myself an expert. A very passionate <laughs> learner of the Great Emu War. But, yeah, I guess let's, let's meet our uh, competitors, I guess. We'll just start with that. You know, you've got in Australia, it's the second largest flightless bird in the world. It is the emu. It stands about six foot tall. I'd guess somewhere between 80 and 200 pounds. Yeah. You know, ostrich-sized yeah. about. It's a bird, so it's, it's a little bit light on its feet. They can run 30 miles an hour, and they're little devils. <laughs> yeah, they really like to wreck things, they really like to peck things, they really like to run, <laughs> and they like to flock. And the opposite side, we have the Australian army farmers, you know, war veterans, I guess. <laughs> and I don't know that they know their stuff too much, but it starts in the 20s, 30s, you know, post-World War One era. You've got... A bunch of these war veterans in Australia. I'm not really sure what they had for business after uh, the assassination of, uh, what's his name? Franz Ferdinand. Franz Ferdinand. You know, what do the Australians have to do with anything about that? Totally irrelevant. So they come back. The Australian government's like, we have to reward them for their hard-fought battles up in Europe. That's fair. Let's give them some crappy land in the Australian outback. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to expect you to produce some bread you know you're gonna let's grow some wheat let's grow some wheat in the outback you know it's not at all like a hostile environment or anything that you have weird ass like spiders kangaroos like flight giant flightless birds it's almost like you know in russia when they were sent to the gulags they were sent to siberia it's kind of like how they were treating their like have the outback congratulations (laughs) here's a bag of crap (laughs) have fun they take it, you know, they don't They don't get much. They take their land and they're like, all right, let's try and farm, you know. This is desert wasteland. Let's do what we can. It doesn't work that well, as you can imagine. But, you know, a few people are starting to have some luck. They're growing a little bit of wheat. And then these emus come in, you know, this is a very hostile land in the outback. And they're like, oh, my God, this is just, like, free food here. This is a random, like, spot of just, like, lush vegetation just here for the taking it's like a little like stop and shop in the middle of the highway let's let's hang out here let's wreak havoc let's let's destroy this stuff (laughs) and the australian farmers war vets are like dude these guys are killing us like they're they're cramping our style you know what kind of reward is this that we have to we get some crappy farmland and now we're getting robbed out here 
by large flightless six foot tall birds. So, you know, like, like any fun loving citizens, they think, hmm, I can't really figure this out myself. You know, I'm, I'm trying to shoot them. I don't have access to a lot of ammunition. Let's call in the government to help. What is interesting here is you would assume that's agriculture. Yeah. So they would, oh, the Department of Agriculture. No. And these farmers went right back to their roots. They said, give me the military. Bring in the full force of the Australian military. I'm not really sure what their <laughs> qualifications are for this. You know, <laughs> I might have brought in like Orkin. I don't know. Pest control. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little bit better of a deal. I don't really know how good the Australians are in, in I don't know what their uh, war stats are even. That probably should have been something I looked up, but I feel like it's pretty good. Yeah. You, it's got to be comparable to England. Maybe a little bit. A little bit downgrade, you know, because it's really just whatever fugitives. No no harm to Australia. So the Australian government comes in, and they're like, all right, where do we start? Let's look for some emos. They start driving around the outback. Oh, here's a flock. And I'm not going to know. I don't know the specific battles, we'll call them. Yeah. Well, the scenes. <laughs> the genocides. So the attempted genocides that happened out here. So they pull up in the Australian outback. Here's a flock of 50 emus. All right. This is easy enough. Sitting puffball, six-foot-tall targets. Machine guns blaring. Scatter. I think they dropped like two, three the first time. Yeah. They, they barely dropped any. You know, it's it was shameful, almost, their assault. So they're like, oh, this is not as easy as we thought. Like, we thought we were just going to come in here and just murder a bunch of birds. A bunch of huge birds. Giant targets. This is kind of pitiful. So they take a step back. They got... Guns mounted on trucks, you know. They've got different machine guns. They've got all sorts of rifles. They have, they have all their military equipment for an indigenous flightless bird. It can only run 30 miles an hour. You know, I'm pretty sure cars have already surpassed that at this era. Uh, probably, yeah. You know, it's like, it's pretty early on. 1932, when the war started. I'm not sure if that already came up. But they just they just can't get it done. They pull up on flocks of thousands. I think a thousand was the biggest flock that they found. They just... Rain hellfire upon machine gun fire. And, you know, you think birds are dumb. These birds, they have group hierarchies. And there's a leader, and he alerts, much like a wolf pack or prairie dogs or something like that. He's on the lookout. He's looking for danger. And he says, oh, there's these, like, you know, creatures coming in here with all sorts of contraptions watching us. No big deal. Oh, my God, they're peppering us with bullets. Everybody run. And so the military is not that effective at taking out a lot of these birds. You know, these things can take bullets. It is worth noting. They were hitting these emus. They just weren't dying. Yeah. <laughs> the, the machine gun fire, I mean, it's not that accurate. I mean, and when you think about the anatomy of an emu, it's a very tall bird. It's got a big body. You can hit the body and it's not... They can take bullets. Yes. The neck and head is the kill zone. So you've basically got... Like, I don't know how to think about the size of this object. You've got a beanbag chair sitting on yeah. two pool cues. <laughs> and then you've got, I guess, like, maybe a little bit thicker than a pool stick. A baseball bat neck. Yep. And then a softball-sized head. Maybe smaller. So not, you've got to be pretty accurate. And there's not a big brain there. No. But they can take bullets. They think every ten bullets fired was the statistic. Every ten bullets fired in the Great Emu War for one kill. That is atrocious. <laughs> that is a terrible ratio of kills. You know, it's like they come around and 
they have a lot of these misgivings where the group leader alerts the other emus, hey, I don't know how they alert him, you know, gunfire kind of speaks for itself. Yeah. Your friends are dropping around you. You, If you don't think to run already, he's smart enough to tell you that you guys got to skedaddle. So they break up in groups, they duck out quick, you know, 30 miles an hour isn't too fast, but in the Australian Outback, in a 1930, mid-1930s car, you're not driving too fast. And there's no real roads yeah. out there. And it's like, you're not you're not accurate to begin with. I mean, firearms haven't really come too far of a way, I guess. This is just World War One. We're going to wrap up the history of this, because this is more of a concept video. You can look up any of this information. Great Emu War, in sum, a total disaster. It's worth noting, the Australians didn't have any casualties. Uh, well, no. One, it's not one guy got hurt. It's not confirmed that there's any casualties, but injuries are very much likely. So I guess one of the one of the counter assaults. You know, <laughs> there are counter assaults when you when you really step back and think about the Great Yuma War. They won't talk about this in the history lessons or any of the other videos or like passages you could find. The emus did counter assault the humans. This wasn't unprovoked. I mean, the raids of the food supply. I mean, that's like an embargo. That's, that's like the biological warfare. Cuban you're, missile yeah. crisis type yeah. thing. You know, you're cutting you're off the enemy's food supply. Mm-hmm. That's brutal. And this is already like Great Depression era. Like the whole world's suffering right now. So you're just adding insult to injury. You're just pulling the food supply. <laughs> this was, they in essence led the first attack on humankind by trying to starve them out. <laughs> they said, you know, this is our, our land, the outback. This is the outback and you got to get back. <laughs> So they, they led the first assault, and, you know, the humans come in. They start waging war, trying to drop them. They're not that successful, like we said. But I think there was one instance where they said that an emu that died, you know, you got to confirm kill here, as they're driving the machine-gun-mounted truck to try and mow down emus, this bird gets caught up in the wheel well and crashes the truck. They destroyed a huge chunk of fence. I assume people got hurt. It's safe to say. I mean, if it's a big crash like that... Yeah kamikaze birds it's a military tactic used by the emus so let's reel this back into the concept portion i guess of the video so basically we want to think about how could this have been done better today okay well first of all technology has come a long way um radar yeah i mean we could just have a drone fly over drop like a little missile take out a whole, I think they're called a mob. Mob. Of emus. Yeah. Spoiler alert, the emus won. Yeah. They, the Australian government, as embarrassing as it, as it is, had their asses handed to them by a bunch of flightless birds that don't even know that there's a war happening right now. <laughs> Being waged they, against them. Yeah, they don't even know. They're, but they won. They just were handed to victory. With relatively no human interaction. Yeah. Let's reel this back maybe like mid-1900s. Like, what kind of warfare do we got here? You have any of your allies or anybody in the earth to reach out to for weapons, infantry, technology. Yeah. So, I mean, if we're going 1930s, what they could have done different. So, I'm an Australian in 1932, fighting the Great Emu War, losing. Uh, Two of my buddies just crashed a truck. I'm looking for a way to solve this. First of all, why can't we ask our allies for help? Right. America, the land of hunters and, you know, Second Amendment farmers people. that would love nothing more than to go to a new country 
and just shoot stuff. Yeah. That's what we're all about. That's our thing. You couldn't have rang us up? Being like, hey, America, you want to come shoot stuff? Send your worst soldiers. You know, it's practice. We would love that. As far as technology goes, I don't know what kind of civil rights these birds had, but we can't use a chemical? Yeah, I mean, napalm is soon available. I mean, it hasn't been discovered at the time of the Great Emu War, but you got to think, like, flamethrowers in World War One, chlorine yeah, gas. chlorine gas. This I is mean, the outback. Nothing's living there anyway. There's no environmental reason to not. And, I mean, it's Australia. Whatever is there will probably survive it anyway. Yeah. So why not? Yeah. It's all just roasted desert anyway. It's going to look... You know what it's going to look like after you just blaze through it with a fire? It's going to look the exact same. There's nothing... It's going to look like a burnt up wasteland because that's exactly what it was before you came in. As far as 1930s go, I feel it could have done a much better job at coordinating. They couldn't have tried to herd these birds. But this is all assuming that we're waging war on the birds. I think the end goal ended up being they just built better fences yeah so i mean you know i think the general's name was meredith general meredith really fudged this one Look, i don't think he had real good stats i'm not sure what role he played in world war one i'm fearful now i'm yeah. glad he did not play a world in a role in world war Two. no we're not going to go any deeper you know we've got german viewers here a sensitive topic some of you may or may not be surprised to know that i've thought a decent bit about this and you know, this fences, this trucks. We've got all sorts of technology now. I think you've got to think about their behavior for a second. That needs to be taken into account. You know, there's a psychological role. They're trying to starve out the food supply. i got to think about the structure of their society. So I'm going to take my machine-mounted truck, and I'm going to put a big, like, brush guard on it, a fence, if you will. Yep. And I'm going to try and corral in these emus. I'm going to set up some tactical positions... <laughs> And instead of them spreading out, I'm going to start spaced out vehicles from afar and close in. And I'm going to okay. I'm gonna have some, like, tree stands or something in the truck beds. So I'm always firing down. You know, there's going to be no friendly fire here. Yeah, yeah. That's Shotguns, smart. maybe. Close range. I mean, these are birds. That's another good point. Why are you using rifles and machine guns on birds? And like, we shoot one bullet. Yeah. Have you ever thought? And you're just wasting them at this point. This is an emu. Yeah. <laughs> they are huge. And I'm like, I'm not going to use a shotgun, so I'm going to have trucks mounted with shotguns, and we're just going to close in on the flock and just not recommend this today. I'm a fan of emus. I think that we should be farming them. They were farming us. Well, we farm. <laughs> we've, now we farm them. We turn the tables real quick here. Well, those are now protected. Now protected species. They're now protected species. They're the national bird of Australia. They were before. They don't want you to kill them. But uh, something like this happened today. Here's our attacking industrial farms. The Australian government says, hey, time for round two. How, Let's go. How do you think this would have played out? What I would do if this was today, I'd call in the cavalry. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of consolidate both of our ideas. I'm going to the common people, you know. Yeah. I'm going to call up the American hunter, whatever, outdoorsman, Second Amendment advocate, and I'm going to be like, dude, do you want a free trip to Australia? Flights are expensive. It's very expensive. I'm going to fly you out here. Bring whatever guns you want. And you know what? Actually, I'm going to supply you... I like the Russian-made guns better. I think they're a little bit more reliable. That was one of the misgivings of the Emu War. Oh, yes. The Australians' guns 
are pretty crappy. You know, that is you don't really hear about Australian firearms. You hear about Austrian. So you add like an extra L in there and suddenly the gun becomes <laughs> like a piece of crap. Well, I think what happens is the Australians get all the British hand-me-downs. Yeah. Or at least at this time. That's I'm what sure. I think. Britain had already developed new weapons. Yeah. So they were kind of unreliable, kind of old, falling apart. So it didn't help the cause. Yeah. Australian Outback's pretty rough terrain, too, for send them out there with some more off-road type vehicles, you know. They can bring their own. Yeah. I got to see. Them have giant lifted trucks anyway, so. The emus are fighting basically a guerrilla warfare against the humans. I'm going to... There are people here before. What did the Americans do in some of the world wars? They had the Cherokee code talkers of sorts. Navajo. The Navajo, Navajo. code talkers. You have you have Aboriginal Australians, and they hunted emus for a living. These guys, they know about them. They know about them a little bit better than you common, I guess, British fugitives do. Kind of draw in some biological warfare here. Emus, what kind of natural predator does a large flightless bird have in the outback? It's definitely not a kangaroo. I don't see kangaroos as being bloodthirsty no, human beings. No, I think maybe... The dingo. Dingo, yeah. I'm going to start breeding dingoes and releasing them around the outback. Well, now hear me out. Okay, this is a little controversial, I'll admit. What if we release a Pride Alliance? Oh, oh, we're going to bring in outside <laughs> species. I mean, they take down ostriches, and an emu is just a smaller ostriches. ostrich. A less deadly ostrich. Or maybe cheetahs. We could bring those in. Even faster. Yeah, what if cheetahs run at, like, 70, 80? Something like that, yeah. And then emus, like a, like a Prius, 30 mile an hour? Yeah. I think, I think you're onto something, though. There's a... Certain, uh... If Joe Exotic can have 20 lions in Oklahoma, why can't we just take his zoo and put it in the outback? We've got so many endangered big cats that need to be bred upon. Let's just send them into the meat market of the Australian outback. The KFC. (laughs) The AFC, the Australian fried chicken. (laughs) The AFE, the American fried emu. And just go feast. Go wildly drawback I have to that is I've done a little bit of research into some other Australian issues that they've had and they have tons of agricultural issues surprising is it I mean it's a giant (laughs) desert like I don't know what you're thinking so they have such a crappy desolate place to live such a breeding ground (laughs) for like massive amounts of weird animals it doesn't make sense to me I just feel like everything out there is either venomous poisonous or out to kill you. Yeah, or a carnivore. Yeah. A question. I don't know. I've never had emu, but is it good? I had an emu jerky stick, and it was okay. But like, I just don't think. I w- I think emu should be farmed. I don't know if the egg ratio is that up there though. Because what I'm thinking is like, maybe let's introduce a big national holiday, like a Thanksgiving. Yeah. But instead of turkey, we'll have fried emu. Yeah. Or, you know, roasted emu. I mean, look what that did to turkeys for us. We decimated the turkey population. Yeah. And the, the military wasn't even involved to do it. No. Just a common man. So. Maybe it was planned. Did they know something beforehand about World War II? And they said, you know, like, this really kind of did a number on us economically, uh, socially. Like, maybe we don't want to get in, as involved. Like, what if we just make an absolute embarrassment of ourselves on the world stage, losing to nature in a war that nature doesn't even know it's against just so they don't call us in we could save a lot of money 
a lot of lives and a lot of time if we just cut our losses on the next go-around. That is a solid point. I don't think that's what, exactly what they had in mind, but who's to say? I'm not General Meredith, so... Yeah, we're better. Anybody's better. I mean, how many birds have you hit with your car? I have hit... No, two. I've hit two birds. Right. How many cars have you lost? None. To birds. I have not lost not a single lost, car. No, you've no. not lost a single car to a bird? You know, like, that's a pretty good ratio. That He's 10 to 1. That's his ratio. <laughs> so right now you're 3 to 1. I didn't even... Sp- well, I spent the money on the car, but I'm not wasting money on bullets. Yeah. You didn't even damage your car, probably. They just bounce right off. Yeah, yeah, no. Bounce off. I mean, emu's a little bit different. I imagine hitting an emu with your car. It might do a little more damage. Yeah. Might get caught up in the wheel well, crash your car. But bulldozing vehicle is your answer here it would have to be quick though have to be quick the pita <laughs> well i just meant to catch up to the birds oh yeah catch up P- to the birds. pita is another that didn't exist back then does australia P- have a pita i Op- assume so I think, it's, I think it's just global i think Pita's just pita. global. what does it stand for protection people for the ethical treatment of animals yes yeah, so, so i think it's global people but ethical to us i mean they were starving us out that's i'm pretty sure against some war some uh, that's against geneva the geneva Con- convention yeah, yeah. And i think that's against the geneva convention there you have it ladies and gentlemen emus did not follow geneva convention the emus are the assaulter the instigator of the great emu war they were and i don't think they have a blameless uh in this either yeah i think I mean, we've great we greatly underestimated them now or then, and we greatly underestimate them now. Well, emus, they typically would feed and then go to the coast. But they got complacent. They got lazy. And they decided to stay and eat the farmer's food. So, I mean, I'm not saying they had it coming. Yeah. But you can't expect to be lazy and not face some sort of consequence. It happens to everybody. Right. Had it coming. All, like, 200 of them that died. I think they... They said the number that died in the Great Emu War, I think it's somewhere 200 to 800. That's pathetic for like. <laughs> there were 20,000 of them. Yeah, and at the time. Only, yeah. And they've increased in numbers. And now we protect them. Now we protect them. Now we say, here, we'll give you wheat. Come to the farm. So, yeah, they really did win this war. Yeah. Because now they're fed, they're protected. And they can have all the space they want. They have us working for them now. Yeah. They've enslaved us. Again. Enslaved the Australians. I don't know. If- Too many hunters in the U.S., I feel, to be conquered by emus. Yeah. I just, I th- find that so just sad that, like, Australia, this every everything in this place wants to kill you. Like, knowingly. We've already proven that the emus have two. But, like, you don't know that. This is the only thing that's seemingly harmless. It's a six-foot-tall bird. This this thing should be terrifying. It's one of the only things that's not, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, I know, I know what you're saying. And you're like, I'm going to lose to this one. Yeah, that's... I'm, I'm yeah. going to allow this bird to make me its bitch. They have alligators. They have... Salt crocodiles. Saltwater crocodiles. All sharks. Sorts of venomous snakes, snakes. Spiders. Yeah, just anything you can imagine. And the emus are the thing that does it in for the Australians. Yoked up buff marsupials. All right, ladies and gentlemen. 
So I think that just about wraps it up for the Great Emu War, a very contentious and hot topic by by our standards, at least. Yeah, for the Casting Lines podcast. Your friends. Yeah, share it with your friends. Especially uh, in other nations. We love to see that. It's, yeah. Uh, if, you, if you Germans are still listening, please just, like, share it to your friends. Share it to the Dutch. Share it to the French. Uh, who else is around there? The Swiss. You wouldn't believe how stoked we are to already be global with our podcast uh, after just one <laughs> episode. <laughs> That's insanity. That's, I I always knew my voice would carry across the globe. I never knew it would be this easy. Next up, Germany. Next up, the world. I'm, we're spreading our influence yep. and our knowledge of... Uh, Australia, we're coming for you next. Animals and their roles in warfare, I guess. <laughs> but we'll see you guys soon with a new topic. We hope you've enjoyed it. And uh, stay tuned for next time. This is the Casting Lines Podcast. Uh, Jameson Connor See you later Have a good day Thanks for sticking with us boys It's 20% female Yeah So Grace and Emily Thanks Yeah thanks for Thanks for watching